0: Hey, I'm Aika Spencer, and I love fandom. I love the writing, some of which I create, the art, none of which I create, and the many aspects that make it up. With the pandemic in full swing, I decided the best way not to go crazy was to start a podcast around it. This one, Down the Fandom Hole, Conversations With. So putting on my big girl bra, I took a chance and reached out to other fandom creators, asking if they would like to share their voice and experiences around it. Amazingly, most of them have said yes. So taking a moment, we sit down and chat about topics like creativity, taking risks, self-care, and many more. I am humbled that I got to chat with all of these brilliant and interesting creators from around the world, and it has only cemented my belief that fandom can also be a bridge and common ground to inclusivity. We are all valid, and fandom helps us envision worlds in which we are. God! Isn't fandom fucking amazing? Anyway, to keep me from rambling on, let's get this show started. On today's episode, H.R. Winter and I talk about some of the struggles that occur when trying to put words to paper, what it was like working in the film industry, and how writing a story can be like owning a mac and cheese and smoothie cafe. Also, while listening to today's guest, Check out the free companion post on patreoncom down the fandom hole. There you'll find some art, if the guest is an artist, and some other fun tittles of information. So, thank you for joining me today. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't awkward,
1: was it? I, totally, I slid right in. That was in a there. little
0: <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, slid exactly. right in there. <laughs> okay, so before we begin, what are your pronouns? Uh, I am
1: she. She, I think that's, that's it, right? She, her. Yeah, it's like, there's a second one. She, her.
0: (laughs) So, what kind of got you into fandom?
1: So, I have been in fandom a long time, though. I've never been really active until this one, and then a little active in the last one. But, um, I guess my first fandom was Harry Potter when I was, like, in high school. So, I got all those books and did all the whole, like, waiting at night, um, And then like everyone else, I think you're like, I want to see more of this or I want to see more of that. And then I found, you know, (laughs) fanfiction.net, but I don't think I really wrote anything or did anything like I never was like really on social media. I don't think it existed back then. I'm trying to think. I know, right? Like date myself, but I guess like Harry Potter was my gateway drug. And then I had a couple after like Underworld, (laughs) which is a really random one because I love Kate Beckinsale naturally.
0: Oh God, is she hot? She like she is, is so such hot. a
1: type too. Like I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, if you love Katie McGraw, like you love Kate Beckinsale, like mm-hmm. it's like it's like the same thing. If you love Eva Green, you love Kate. Like it's like a type, <laughs> you know, like Irish, UK, British. Yes. Like it's like you can't help yourself.
0: Yes. Well, um, Eva Green is French, I think right? So. Well, wow. I guess so, because she's got a twin sister oh, too. God I bless. Think. She speaks, she speaks French quite Don't tell fluently. Tell me now, I have
1: to go look that up. Well
0: <laughs> no, you'll, you'll find it. it. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah! Wow. YouTube, Eva Green, interview Why did I think French. Do that. It's there.
1: I feel like a bad. She hand. is British, oh, okay.
0: but she's wow. also French. Multi. I'm so impressed. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll hear the accent for the French part when she um just certain words That's and awesome. stuff. I'm like, hmm, that's an odd inflection. And then you find out she's French. You're like, oh. Yeah, and, like, sense. one weird
1: thing, too, that Kate Beckinsale and Kashi share is that, like, Kate Beckinsale also studied, like, Russian literature, and she speaks Russian, and she's, like, really into Russian history. And I'm like, what is it with these women, you know, <laughs> that have, like, angelic faces, and they're, like, super intelligent and, like, extremely funny? I, I'm like, I'm just dead in the water. So, Underworld... <laughs> that's your jam huh also she's a vampire i was like screwed and then i was into lost for some like really misbegotten years and then i think there was a big gap like where i wasn't like a big fandom girl for anything until like pretty little liars which just judge me we'll move right past it we're not going to talk about it and then supergirl
0: okay i i feel like now we have to. i I
1: didn't say anything what are you what are you talking about
0: oh okay what do you mean sure (laughs) I will be sure to edit that out. She's like, actually, it's going to be in. But yeah. So since you've been quite active in different fandoms, what caused you to want to write for (sighs) Supergirl?
1: So I was a little late to the Glee fandom in the sense that I watched the show while it was on. I kind of lost interest. When I (laughs) moved out of the fandom that we shall not speak of, I was kind of, like, in a vacuum looking okay. for fan fiction, and so I ended up reading, like, I don't know, thousands of Britney and Santana fan And then when I ran out of those, I started looking for Killing Eve, like, with Villanelle and Eve Palastri. But that show at the time, it was in first season, was already so satisfying. It was kind of hard to find good fics. But I saw that, like, the one of the authors I liked had, like, co-written... Another fan fiction with a sea biscuit, and it ended up being this fanfic that's like, you know, famously known as the Spit Baby AU. And so that I'd re- literally read that fanfic. I didn't know what Kara looked like. I didn't know what Lena looked like. I didn't know anything about the show. And I like read that entire. St- well, I think it's like not done. It's like three or four chapters. I, like, read that whole thing, and I was, like, so obsessed with it that I started reading, like, all these other fan fictions, again, with, like, no concept of the show or anything. And then, like, I, I just, like, and I think mm-hmm. perhaps <laughs> that, like, the fan fiction, or at least the, one of the funniest parts is I didn't realize Jess wasn't, like, a main character, like, <laughs> on Supergirl. Because she's so, like, ubiquitous in fanfic, and, like, she's not a character. So when I did finally watch the show, I was, like... Uh, where where's Jess? You know?
0: She's like not until the very end. People just like her better than (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) Like I also feel like people use her because it's like Lena Luthor needs a friend, you know? And it's like
0: Uh Uh-huh. But she 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 um betrayed Lena just as much as Eve did. So it's just like, oh poor thing can't find anybody.
1: I don't wanna know. Mm -hmm. Don't tell
0: me. (laughs) I thought she only had like two
1: lines or something, and then they replaced her with somebody else. Did they were like did she was it in that, like,
0: for, well, the thing is, is that she, somehow this character who, if I recall correctly, like Veronica? Me on this and anybody who's listening to this, <laughs> she was like, she was kind of quiet. She was there. And then suddenly she betrayed. Oh my God. Lena. Lena
1: has no friend. Well, she does in fan fiction. We'll say that.
0: Yeah, she doesn't. I think it's just Jess was allowed to kind of be the wallflower for so long who just happened to be evil mm. at the very end of it.
1: But I'm like the. I feel like the role she picks up is just because there's like no one for Lena, and like a lot of people use Jack too. And I, I'm like, again, like in the actual show, he's like dies in the his like introductory episode, and I'm like, Lena never has mm-hmm. anybody. But
0: I know this is like the worst character to have, right? I know. Like, she's the one who gets all the crap and then saves like, the day. After that. Uh, like
1: ninety nine percent of the time,
0: you know. Yeah. So, well, yeah, <laughs> as we saw in the
1: hundredth episode, it's like always Lena.
0: <sighs> uh huh. So it's like, wait, is this the Lena show or Supergirl? Right, exactly. So there is the possibility that maybe season six is actually also a spinoff with <laughs> Lena Luther. I mean, would I hope so.
1: Also... <laughs> I hope so at this point.
0: But what would the purpose of her? I'm also be? scared of know.
1: season six.
0: Yeah, after seeing the trailer for. um Lois and Clark, I was just like, wait, why is he in the middle of nowhere in a farm unhappy if everything is going so well for him? It's like did this can, car died. I can't even bring to myself go. to watch
1: it. I have like such little interest in that. You know what I mean? Like I was like, so I don't mm-hmm. even know what that show's about. I will not be tuning in.
0: Yeah. That's okay. Neither am I. I just wanted if to Super see Carp's the If Super
1: Corp's not on it, I'm not but, interested. Yeah. The sad part is I would totally watch it, which is... pretty much why i watch any part of supergirl because it's like such a trash fire but what can you do
0: yeah we all love a good trash fire you
1: know what you asked? like it's like why i got into it is their dynamic it's also so when i did watch a show it's like the actresses are really talented like the whole cast is pretty talented
0: and there's Mm -hmm. so much
1: room for like you're so unsatisfied and unfulfilled in a lot of ways i think even if you weren't just there like for the gays, you know, like there's mm-hmm. so much that like could, they could do so much better. And so naturally you just like instantly go back to fan fiction to like fill those voids. And like the sad part is you're like, um, why are you so into this? And you're like, because it's so unsatisfying. Like Shiro is like a show. I loved <laughs> never <laughs> once looked perfect. You know what I mean? Cause it's like such a, like, I'm like perfectly satisfied. Don't even need to look, you know?
0: Yeah, I know. I got that myself. Like I, Interviewed Ray D. magden and she writes for korasami And then I'm like, oh, I better check this out because I had I remember vaguely watching like episodes of it, and then I finally went mm-hmm. through all four seasons. And I'm like, I was just so satisfied with the show itself that I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to find other fix that weren't just heavily involved with the smut <laughs> that you don't get right? to see.
1: Exactly. You're like, I don't need a plot. <laughs>
0: Because they actually get to be canon, and you're like, oh, well, okay, let's build off of that. But I'm like, I don't need to see anything else. Yeah, or like um, the
1: stories that are where they, like, amend canon. I can't think of the word right now. Where they, like, fix canon. You're like, I don't need that. Whereas, like, every episode of Supergirl, yep. it's like, oh, fix it, fix. <laughs> it could, I'm like, I need mm-hmm. that, na- like, now.
0: Yep, <laughs> Someone do exactly. this better, please. Exactly, exactly. All right, so. So... What is kind of your, your writing process when you're thinking of a story and what kind of also are like some hindrances or struggles that you have trying to put pen to paper?
1: I think like everybody, I kind of struggle with like when inspiration actually strikes. So my process is just getting it done every day. 500 words a day is my current one. I've tried to do higher than that, but I can't, I just have noticed that I can't meet that expectation right now. Like... I work full time, so I can't really trust that I can do a thousand words or even 1500 words. So my process is 500 a day. Um, I keep a document that kind of has all of my works in progress or even like certain ideas that I have. I really like to use Tumblr prompts as like a way to just write something if I want to mm-hmm. write, but I don't really feel like writing anything I have, like including like if it's my original stuff or if it's another supercorp story. Um, I really like those. And so the sad part of those, I have a million in my like ask box, but Mm -hmm. I'm saving them for a someday, but I really, I feel like those are good ways to get practice or inspiration.
0: And so trying to think what else. Are you a pantser or plotter?
1: Um, plot for sure. I like, I write everything out ahead of time it's like so I have an outline I outline everything and then I outline scenes and I outline which scenes are in which chapters it just it really helps me stay organized
0: nice that is a yes. road I am that is a hell that I am slowly dying on sometimes so I'm in awe of yeah can actually plot <laughs> it's like oh my God.
1: I'm in awe of people that write without a plan like I don't know how they do that
0: a whole lot of you luck <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, some of my Tumblr prompts are like that. I don't really know where they're going to go before I write them, but, and that's kind of the fun of it or like the freedom, Mm -hmm. but an actual multi-chapter and I don't know where it's going. I think that's like maybe my biggest nightmare Mm -hmm. would be not knowing what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) What kind of themes do you like to read and write? So I really
1: like science fiction. Mm -hmm. I like fantasy. Um, I actually don't really like stuff that's like autobiographical or like history based. I don't really like things that are like based in the real. So I also really like young adult novels. Like, so I read a bunch of those when I was growing up and I continue to read them into my 20s. So I I really like that genre too. Mm-hmm. So I'll read like Rex for that. But I'd say science fiction and fantasy are my favorites. And write, I get, I don't feel like I get to write those as often because there's so much world building involved. You know, Uh I feel like it's a lot of work and I guess I feel like I try to save original concepts and not use them in fan fiction. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, you're like, I want to save those for something original as opposed to like put it into fanfic and then potentially have it get stolen or just even, I don't know. So I don't usually get to write my favorite genres because I'm kind of careful with what I want to use in fan fiction.
0: I feel like your work would be stolen even in your original stuff too because like a lot of AUs are inspired by books and movies and things like that.
1: Yeah all of mine are movie AUs because I feel like I'm taking you know that can't really be like taken you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like and I get to work like playing kind of the sandbox of that story and I get to be original in that way versus um having to come up with something completely original. And I really respect those fanfic writers that do that. Mm -hmm. I just like, I have a, like a couple of original works. And so, and the ones that I have are all fantasy or science fiction or kind of like dystopian young Mm -hmm. adult stories. And so I do write that there and I wish I could share it,
0: but I'm like still working on them sadly. So when do you hope to finish them or is it kind of just like a slow burn process?
1: There's one that I've been working on forever. Like I came up with the idea at the very end of college and I had like really bad writer's block for a long time with it, but Mm -hmm. I've made really good progress lately. And so I have about 14,000 words and I probably have even more than that. And my goal is to have it done by the end of this year, if not sooner, Mm -hmm. and then probably go through like hiring an editor and trying to get a second draft of it. And then we have like me and my wife kind of like, talk about a bunch of other story ideas. And so there's another one that's like probably 70% done. Wow. And that's,
0: that's like, pretty
1: good. yeah. And I just sort of lost like a uh, inspiration to write it, but I think I could still probably publish something out of it. And that one's like a young adult novel too. And then we have like a couple of fantasy ideas and like more like time travel kind of ideas too, that are just totally in development. and
0: Don't have a lot written. So you guys kind of write together. Or she's more like your sounding board for everything.
1: Yeah. And she like beta reads all of my fan fiction too. And so she like is a big content consumer. So she, I feel like she's seen like every TV show, every movie. She's really good at like guessing the plot uh-huh. of whatever we're watching. Cause she's seen and so much. Right. Uh-huh. And so I feel like she has good ideas. And she also is just like, I, am sure you've experienced this too. Like the like desert it can feel like there is for like LGBT content. Mm -hmm. And so she always has really good ideas with that. Cause I like kind of play with the idea of like, if I actually wrote original stuff, would I want to be like, um, like what niche would I want to write for? And we like, would it be LGBT? And I would really like to do that. I just like, don't know how it would work, you know? So right now I'm just kind of writing what I want to write.
0: Oh, that makes sense. So do you have anything in the Pike for AO3? Um,
1: I'm working on one story, but I'm just like, because I'm trying to work on my like original stuff. I don't know when it'll be done and right. it's six chapters and I have two of the chapters are done. And for some reason, I'm just trying to finish this one completely before I post any of the chapters.
0: That makes because sense. Because I, I don't want
1: that pressure or like those, <laughs> like when, when is this going to be updated? Like,
0: uh-huh. I don't know if
1: like you've talked to other artists, like... That question doesn't usually bother me because i I know when and I'm on the timeline of like when that will be, and I can answer, but like in this case, where I'm working on a an actual book and then a fanfic, I'm like, I don't know, so i don't I'm not gonna post it until it's done,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. I've started to slowly um what's it called plot things out because. Mm-hmm it's not like my life is super busy with other things. It's just that if I want to try to make being like an editor and a writer and a podcaster into something that's feasible, I have to be somewhat regimented in making that happen. So I have to like have writing moments in my day, podcast moments in my day, editing moments in my day and all these other things. So it's like, it's, it's like it's on the cusp of getting somewhere and then, Wherever that ends up, it'll be great.
1: Right. You have to be like so weirdly organized, but everyone's process is different. Mm
0: -hmm. But I
1: like actually like have a calendar right now because I, I'm just like, I am not going to be writers blocked on this anymore. And I have been following my calendar and that makes me feel better. But kind of like you said, like I'm doing writing days and editing days because they're just totally different things to me you know, and then I feel like you almost need to add time in there. That's like creative days where you're just doing other types of flow activities and you're kind of coming up with new ideas. Like, cause I feel like you can't force that during your actual writing or editing. And so it's like, you need that time too. And it's like so many different mm-hmm. balls in the air.
0: Yep. You need to have like downtime incorporated in it as well, or it just becomes something that you love can also become something that just becomes a drain without it meaning to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, something that you hate. And I think that's common with a lot of artists, sadly.
0: So have you thought about joining NanoRimo? Because I look there's a camp coming up in April.
1: I have tried to do that three years in a row. So <laughs> at, at this point, I'm like, that is not going to do it for me. And having like a more consistent writing schedule is what will do it for me. You know, uh-huh. so it's just like writing 500 words a day for a year, I think is better than trying to write 1,600 <laughs> words a day uh-huh. um, for, uh, you know, 30 days.
0: So do you write even on the weekends or just on the weekdays? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've been trying to, because it, I mean, it comes like, like you said, at some point it's like a matter of discipline and you're either going to get it done or you're not going to get it done. Uh-huh. And like, I found that, and I think this is kind of my process in general. Like I'm an editor before I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't have any words to edit, I can't do anything. And so I have to, I have this real struggle on those days where I need to just write 500 words instead of edit and sort of add 500 words, which is good too. But I'm going like, I'll get to a point where I don't have any more words to edit, Right. And so those days are really critical for me. And so I think it is something I just have to do every day or else I'll just get out of the habit and then, you know, another three months goes by or it's like 2020 and a whole pandemic hits and then it's 2021. And then I'm still trying to write this stupid book. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: When you first posted your very first story, what was that like? Was there fear of rejection? Did you think, oh my God, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this. Or you're just like, it's cool. I'm, I'm chill.
1: My very first story was Fidelity, which is a Harry Potter Supergirl mix. And I'm, like, trying to think back right now. I'm, like, what even inspired me to write that? And like I said, like, or I think mm-hmm. we may have talked about it before, but I was, like, I got into fandom – oh, yeah, you, you did ask with, – um, with Harry Potter, right? And so, like, I'd always – I'd read a lot of fan fiction for Harry Potter and like I've read the books like a number of times and like, um, I listened to the audiobooks like with Jim Dale because like he is so good at reading those books. I've literally never listened to another audiobook, but I listened to the Harry Potter ones probably like 15 times each. And so I was like, I know a lot about that. And then um, Supergirl I actually didn't know as much about, but it just seemed like a perfect setup for that kind of star crust lover situation that I really like. And so I was worried because I was on Tumblr as, like, a lurker for a long time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to, you know, make posts and, like, have people see this. But it's like, it can be, I feel, it can be really hard to, like, get, like, um, anything, like, any original post on Tumblr. And I assume the same is true for Twitter. It can be hard to get it seen. And, yeah, and, like, I I wrote that story over, like, a year, and for a long time, like, I felt like it was me and, like, these 12 readers that really loved it, and I loved them, and I, like, it, they, like, commented every time, and they had these, like, really long, effusive comments, and they were, like, sustaining my life force, because I was just, like, I would talk about <laughs> it with my wife, and I was, like, um, I feel like and, – and she would try to make me feel better, and she would be, like, you have... guys <laughs> – You have this like macaroni and cheese and smoothie restaurant. (laughs) It's like very niche and it's not going to be for everyone. And you need to understand that. But the people that do come in, they're going to love it. And so I was like, okay, like that's good enough for me. I was like kind of always like if one person likes it, then it's worth sharing because I loved writing it. And so I am really happy that I started with a story that I loved writing because I know – some writers can really struggle with that. Like, they get into a concept that they like, but they sort of, like, lose the love for it halfway through, you know? And, like, I never had that problem with fidelity, mm-hmm. and I was really happy with that. But, yeah, I was definitely afraid of rejection. I definitely struggled with, like, feeling like the story wasn't being seen.
0: What did you do to come back? The fear of pressing post right. um, or public. So
1: I was going to say that it's one thing I kind of realized – that I liked at least on Tumblr. And I'm not sure if Twitter is the same. Like I, I don't know Twitter as well, but like um, it's like including a visual with your post and trying to like limit the text, like putting like kind of like a summary or something in there. So people know what it was, but like, I'm a very visual person and I don't really like reblogging like big blocks mm-hmm. of text, Right. And so when people do chapter updates, like even mm-hmm. if I like support the story or I really like it, I'm kind of like, ah, it's like, Ugly to me, which doesn't mean it is to everyone, right? But I'm like, I for me, I was like, I'm gonna try to do like art, and so I worked really closely with somebody who I'd been like really close to, in that fandom that we shall not speak of. Um, And she like really, really helped me, and we like came (laughs) up with all these ideas together, and so we created like a lot of art for Fidelity, and that was like one of my favorite parts of the process too, because it's so cool to get to see something kind of come alive. And I'm not like a traditional artist. I was really into drawing when I was younger, but I haven't kept up with it. But I think it's so cool that artists are able to do that. And so it was kind of like my way of being able to create something visual for my story. I felt like that helped get it seen. And it certainly later on was like a really mm-hmm. cool addition to the story like that, because I tried to put it in the, the actual chapters, like on our card by Archive of our own have the images, and people commented on that a lot that they really Mm -hmm. liked it. So it's kind of like newspaper images, and I took like Lego photos, like all kinds of stuff, right? And so that helped, but still, like, there was like one of my favorite. I think photos are like photo sessions that we did got like 14 notes. And I was like, well, I guess it's still better than like zero. Cause I think I had like 30 followers at the time. And so I'm really just getting like, whoever sees <laughs> it in the like super corp tag at that time that I post. But I did feel like that that helped a little bit is trying to sort of like attack people on all fronts. It's not just writing. It's also like visuals. It's like posts, you know, because it's like, even if I could draw art, there's still like no way I could draw art as well as some of the artists I like. Like, watch my art be like art I don't even enjoy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Versus, like, Rafi or somebody. Yeah. Well, if
0: you put it out there, if you put it out there, you can give it a new name. I mean, that's one of the joys of being creative. I'm fairly sure modern pop was not around Mm. until Andy Warhol named it that way. So it could be, like, (laughs) Winter Folo. I don't know. How do you
1: spell that?
0: (laughs) Folo? (laughs) Folo? I just came up with a word that just okay, slipped out of my, my mouth and yeah, I just went with it. it. I'd have I to owned own, it. Just like I'd have I to owned own it. my art. I just owned it.
1: But, but I can tell you that my number one and I like <laughs>
0: consistently
1: throughout my life, this is probably my favorite. Is like a theme of transformation. Um, and that can be like anything. So one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies growing up was Beauty and the Beast. Right. And this idea that he's transformed into this like mm-hmm. monster, but and at the end he transforms back, but just more like a, like what does that mean and so Buffy the Vampire Slayer was like another show Mm -hmm. I was like hyper super obsessed with when I was like young and you have this character Angel who like transforms Mm -hmm. in that too and I just really like seeing like the dichotomy of two different the same person but like two different parts of that person like um, Angel had another character later named Mm -hmm. Elyria where you see like like two different sides of the same character, like that you've never seen before. So I guess I really like like the kind of like the complexity of a person that everyone else may see them as like say like even like Kara like simple and like happy and easy to please and she's never unhappy. But I thought like first season of Supergirl did that really well where they show that she's like extremely angry. You know she's very sad. She, like, doesn't feel like she belongs anywhere. She doesn't feel confident. She's, like, insecure in her powers. And, like, I really like, like, a, mm-hmm. but I think I like it even more. Like, and it's something they teach you kind of in screenwriting class that, like, if you haven't done your job, if a character is the same as they are from the beginning at the end of the story, like, that character needs to be, like, radically different. You know, like, otherwise, kind of what was the story about? Like, why did I read that, Mm -hmm. you know, or watch it?
0: And it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to have a square be a square throughout the entire thing if they don't eventually become, like, a star or a trapezoid or some sort of shift. And I
1: like seeing it both ways. I really like, you know, Mm -hmm. the second Batman movie where you see Harvey Dent, who's this, like, paragon of what, what, you know, this internal affairs district attorney should be like, and then he's, like, a villain for sure by the end I like really enjoy that you know I enjoy seeing people change and so Mm -hmm. I especially like seeing it with female villains too even if I may not always like like to watch the journey I still think it's more interesting so that's probably my favorite theme
0: all right so you talked a little bit about the film industry what was it like Um, what kind of what did you learn while working in it why did you leave and would you go back to it? If Kate, if you were invited to do something with Katie McGraw on it? <laughs>
1: um, so I, I studied film in college and while I was in college, I did a couple of internships, of course, which were unpaid. Mm-hmm. And so I worked as a production assistant and I worked in like the locations department and I worked on a cu- couple of different like feature films. And the one that I worked on the most, I think I was like on it for nine months and, um, it was super long hours, so like 16 hour days. We were always up against like uh, the laws around like the the legality with how long you can work, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we had to have eight hour gaps between our 16 hours, mm-hmm. and like so that made it very difficult in terms of I was like dating my wife at the time. I think it was over the summer and kind of partially in school, but I wasn't working full time when I was in school. Mm -hmm. And so I would just be like done at, because, because of the eight hours, it would push it overnight into the next day. So like, you didn't always start at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be done with that. I'd come home. My feet would be killing me. I'd have like bad kind of sunburns because I'd be like out outside all day and like, um, physically very demanding. And I know people that still work in the industry that say the same thing, especially if you're like working on set or you're just, you know, doing production assistant type work can be Mm -hmm. kind of like a jack of all trades can be anything. And like the eight hours are you're off, you're sleeping, you know? So you literally don't have time to do anything else. Crew members, right. Or maybe less, maybe a hundred, but still, so you get to know everyone really well. You have downtime, Where like, if something's being shot indoors, and they're like, there can only be a couple people in the room, you spend a lot of time with each other, and they you just become closer to them than you are to anyone else in your life. So it's kind of, it can become like a cult, you know, and so Mm -hmm. in a way, I like miss that about it. Because... I miss being, having like stories to tell my friends and family and just whether it's about celebrities or like producers, executives, stuff like that. It's kind of a small world, both on set and in the actual industry. And so you kind of get to know everybody and that is nice in a way. And it's obviously, it can be bad in a way, but I don't know. So your question of like all of your friends are those people that you're working with. And so it becomes this kind of like mini community Mm-hmm. Where because like a set can have like two or three hundred, would I go back? Probably not. I felt when I quit with the reason that I stopped doing it, even though I was studying it and planned to go into it and I had a really great resume when I graduated was that the hours really killed me, and the idea that I would have no balance and no other life outside of it mm-hmm. um, you also travel a lot for it. And like, you could be shooting in China, you could be shooting in like the Texas in the middle of nowhere for two or three months. And so I wanted to stay together with my wife at the time (laughs) and the idea that I'd have to move to Los Angeles. And I really don't like that city, but so that was like a negative for me, but really traveling and never being able to see her, not really having friends, the balance was the biggest reason. Mm-hmm. But also there's like at the time I worked in I've had like people I know still in the industry tell me now that it's better, but I just have a hard time believing it with some of the stuff that I see. But it was very sexist, it was very racist. There's like a lot of under the table type of situations that happen that I really didn't like, um, mm-hmm. especially as a writer. Your ideas get stolen. Um, You might sell an idea to Paramount Pictures for twenty five thousand dollars. It sits on a shelf for twenty years. Like a celebrity happens to see it, and they say, "I want to make that." Give me the writing credit, and then it comes out, and it's a multi million dollar movie based on the idea that you sold to them that they own. They can say anybody. They don't need to give you credit,
0: and so they don't need
1: to give you royalties. Like. That's sort of one of the classes that made me really think I did not want to go into it is that when you write a book like that, that I, that intellectual property is yours, but that's not the case when you sell a script, you know, and it's not the case that you could actually be the writer. And we heard of this all the time, that is the writer of a movie for nine months and you can get fired nine months into filming and they will take your name off the credits of the movie. You know, no. so even though you wrote the entire thing, they just, I feel like, and they say this in Hollywood, they're like, everyone has, has a script, right? I feel mm-hmm. like writers are not appreciated there. And you can kind of see that with Supergirl too. It's just like it's TV writing, mm-hmm. horrific hours, like mm-hmm. 12 to 16 for sure. Overnight hours, constant, really difficult deadlines to meet. I feel like the people that make it in that world are not always the best writers, but just can somehow like thrive in extremely hostile environments, you know, Ah, and I was not ready to do that for my life.
0: That, that sounds horrifyingly scary. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I
1: know. And it's not unlike a lot of industries of sexism. You know, I have a friend who's in engineering and it's like the people The women who are able to make it through extremely sexist, like Uh STEM uh, careers are usually having to deal with like insane harassment the entire time. And it's, and my friend says the same thing. She's like, am I just supposed to deal with this or can I leave and like do something where I never have to deal with this again? And it's like, that's why I think the people that stay with it and are like leaders, in their field and can be really inspiring to others, but it's like, God damn, like, I can't believe they could, they can like deal with all that and still stay there.
0: You know? It's like they make it to the top, but they can't change anything about it.
1: It's like, they have to make it to the top before they can change anything about it. So you wonder like about all the people like me that quit. Mm -hmm. So you almost never make a change. Like your voice is never heard because you don't even want to be a part of it like, a hostile work environment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you're like, am I supposed to take all this abuse? (laughs) I feel like (laughs) not. So that my voice is heard so I can be the one LGBT person in the room that can actually give, like, a realistic voice to these characters who are supposed to be LGBT that are written by straight white men, you know? To even, like, get into that room, like, the shit you have to deal with to, like, get there. But I also think, like... Even deeper than that, it could be systemic, you know, Mm -hmm. so even when they're looking because of something like affirmative action or they're like told by a CW network executive, right, that they have to have one black woman in the room, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are so many systemic reasons, like I just described, that there may not even be anyone to hire, right? It's like who is going to deal with the bullshit
0: Mm -hmm. for long
1: enough to be hireable in that position. Or it's something I think a lot of like young adults see now Mm -hmm. is like, they're looking at job applications, and they're just out of college. And every job that they look at is like a minimum of three to five years experience, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, how would I possibly have that Mm -hmm. to get hired? (laughs) You know, like, and oh, yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm talking about is so if like they're looking for writers and like it's a systemic racism issue all across the board that have experience writing and they can't find any. And then they're like, oh, I can't find any. But really, that's not the case. You know, it's like it could be like somebody like me that's in college and is seeing like such a hard road ahead that they quit before they're even in the workforce of being hireable. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it it sounds very. um I don't want to say hopeless but it kind of sounds hopeless like you work so hard and then it you have to go through the muck to get somewhere good
1: right and that's what's so frustrating about it because I just do not feel like that is what Mm -hmm. white straight men go through it is like literally handed on a silver platter for them and like but they think that we're the same you know and it's like very very annoying
0: So kind of taking it back to fan fiction, do you view it as a uh, sandbox to try themes that you may not be willing to try in original content that you would create?
1: Yes, (laughs) because I do want to be like a published author, so I do see it like... um practice and like the irony is like one of the reasons I chose fidelity and wanted to write that is it's very similar to like an original work I have and like I don't know I probably have like 60,000 words for that but I was really struggling with like certain Mm -hmm. like themes and tones and like specifically like tension which I feel like you know fan fiction really explores that at length whether it's like sexual or just you know tension between two characters or conflict Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like I'm bad at that. And that was one of the reasons mm-hmm. I wanted to practice with fidelity. Cause I was like, I can kind of practice that tension and see if it works well. But I like definitely have like a list of themes I have too, of like my favorite to read or even in movies or TV shows or like, and I kind of see that as like, I'm going to take these themes and try to incorporate them into my work, whether it's like original work or fan fiction and I'd always rather practice
0: it in fan fiction first. Yeah, I like fan fiction for that very same reason, too. It's just like, I, I, I'm actually thinking of writing this uh, BDSM fic with Cara, Lena, and Andrea. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> let's do a little bit of mommy, ma'am, mm-hmm. submissive thing going on. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm at a block. i'm like i'm like i want to make kara asexual but i don't really know much about being asexual and i want to make her aspect of it a little bit more what's it called more about rewards and punishments and then have andrea and lena be Mm -hmm. married so you kind of have a super corp but then you also have the (laughs) Rojas rojas corp yeah so that's what's kind of rattling around we're still in the midst of a pandemic, although it is starting to wind down. What do you do for self care?
1: Um, I don't know if I do a lot right now. I don't know if that's been a strength of mine during this pandemic. But I remember I I went through these like forty hours of um training once to be a an assistant to the sane nurses. And if you don't know what that means, so so it's like sexual assault. They like uh get the chain of evidence. And so they do interviews. They collect like anything from like the body. So this is, it can be a long process in the hospital. And so I was like a volunteer assistant that did that. And, 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 as you can imagine, and so it could be anywhere from like one hour at the hospital or eight, and this could be at three in the morning. And this could happen three times during a weekend while I was on call. So in that job, uh, when you say self-care, it makes me think of that because
0: they were very
1: adamant that people did self-care things because i think the burnout or like the emotional toil of those visits could be really really high and especially for those those people that actually worked at the place that i volunteered where i like i could control i was like i'm going to volunteer this weekend they actually worked there and so if they couldn't get a hold of one of us usually one of them went and so i think i think of that sometimes now because we had this whole day on self-care and about it and got those like questions answered, which is really cool. I'm still not very good at it, but I play a lot of tennis. Um, Movement is probably the number one thing that helps me, especially in the early like days of the lockdown when we weren't supposed to really leave the house for anything other than groceries. Like I was walking like three, four miles a day around my neighborhood, like a crazy person And then I started biking again, and I hadn't biked in several years, and so I got my bike all tuned up for that, and um, so exercise is a really big one. And then trying to be social, I started playing video games again, and that helped a lot, even though video games to me can kind of be addicting. I don't know if you play video games.
0: Do you? I do, but I mainly play Animal Crossing and Yoshi's Crafted World, so it's not really like group oriented but I can basically play it for like hours straight which right I'm like oh this is I'm like but now I'm kind of using it as a treat for myself at the end of the day where it's like okay I got it done so mm-hmm. my animal crossings all the time zones are all jacked up because I'm I want to <laughs> go to Nooks and I want to go to Abel's and I can't go to there when I play at <laughs> eleven o'clock at the fucking night
1: right but I do think that really helps though so video games has been a big one and then my wife is really into gardening, and so I don't do a lot of gardening, but she does a lot, so that's been a big one of hers, but I get to, like, enjoy the garden. So being outside is
0: really nice. So is it, like, a vegetable garden or, like, a flower garden? She,
1: yeah, it's a flower garden. She's really into pollinators, so bees and hummingbirds and butterflies, and so almost everything she plants is, like, native to Texas, huh. so she's really into Texas native plants. Um which is really pretty in the summer. We have a lot of activity back there.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds cool. i wanted to put up a um, picking coop in my yard for a while. But...
1: Yeah, we want to do that too. We've heard that like uh, predators are really bad for chickens and that you should expect to lose some of your chickens, which sounds super depressing. And so that's kind of stopped us too.
0: Well, luckily the only thing big here are cats, but if you're, they're in a coop, they're okay. And then uh, mongoose maybe.
1: And for here, there's not, like, huge ones, but I guess um, raccoons and things you wouldn't expect, you know?
0: Really? They eat chickens?
1: I I think. I'm not an expert, but I've heard that all sorts of things break in and bigger birds, like birds of prey.
0: What do I do for self-care? Oh, my self-care is so fucking jacked. I mean, that seemed
1: to be the case, even with all these, like, sane nurses and the volunteers. Uh Everybody struggled with it, you know?
0: I was much better at the beginning of the pandemic because I wasn't trying to not go insane, oddly enough. But then I started like podcasting and doing other things. And so suddenly I allowed myself to not worry about taking care of myself the way I needed to. And I'm trying to get back into it.
1: But mm-hmm.
0: it's such a, it's, I liked going for walks around my neighborhood and, you know, I need something to keep me accountable for those kind of things and I'm very bad at self-accountability
1: yeah I like classes mm-hmm. or where you have to play with other people <laughs> you know when it's just you alone it's very easy to blow it off
0: hmm. anyway I don't have time for a chicken coop. I just keep dreaming of one <laughs> you,
1: you imagine it yeah I'm like oh
0: <laughs> fresh eggs in the morning
1: <laughs> yeah for sure and then I'm like oh chickens wake up really early in the morning
0: it's okay I, w- I I wake up early anyway so but yeah someday someday what do you Maybe do for self-care I have the outdoors so I actually just got a rain jacket so I can't keep saying it's raining so yeah waterproof and the only thing I have to worry about are my shoes I
1: was like you can cover your shoes too I was thinking a friend of mine would do that she put like bags on them or something
0: oh okay I can do that well yeah yeah, I just got to kick my ass in gear, although I do try to schedule at least an hour where I'm not doing anything, or, like, maybe 15 minutes, where literally I just sit and stare at the ceiling so that my mind can just recenter and kind of reorder itself, and I'm not doing anything, but then I, I think I end up falling asleep, too. Yeah,
1: yeah that's kind of, I have that problem where I, I have to-do lists, I have to-do list for every day, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where I cannot actually spend time relaxing, you know, Mm -hmm. like
0: where there's no quiet time or downtime. Yep. Just a quick pause so I can share this clip of today's guest in the minisode Five Burning Fandom Questions that is accessible only as a Patreon supporter. I hope you enjoy. Name the three contestants you would choose for a mystery fandom dating game and rank them in order of who you would like to date best.
1: So mystery fandom dating game, is that like with the doors?
0: That's like the, it might be an older show. Um, But it's, so you're, imagine yourself in a studio partitioned off from these three mystery um, babes or hunks, depending (laughs) on your preference. And you ask them questions, hoping to find someone who is like you based off of the questions you answer ask them but since it's like you know the fandom and everything it's just more like rank the person you want to date the most game
1: okay i feel like an easy three like my favorite characters Mm -hmm. and we'll go supergirl again um lena obviously lena luther Mm -hmm. cara danvers easy and then Mm -hmm. alex danvers I feel like underrated potentially mm. with the super core people, but maybe not. I feel like Alex is also like pretty beloved, and that would be really hard for me to choose from for those three.
0: So, oh. so would you like just a quadruple? Quadruple? <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Yeah, what's it? Got? I only know throuple.
1: I can go. Up the I was throuple. like, is it polygamy? Is poly like all, mini, <laughs> or is it just three? So. so I don't know
0: so if it was um if you guys were just dating it would be polyamory ah, okay but then if you guys get married it'd be polygamy oh my goodness
1: such distinctions i learned
0: this one <laughs> i know i learned this one from um carl loves all the girls so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you're like in my last podcast
0: today i learned in my last podcast the difference
1: between polygamy and polyamory well good to know do you know if it's multiple is it like 15 people or is it just three
0: so i think it just is multiple people i don't think there's a number i think it's just how many you can handle in a relationship
1: (laughs) it's like how many five-year-olds could you beat up that like question let's see okay i don't think i could handle all three (laughs) so we'll go ahead and like mark that out um
0: sounds like this might be a good place to end do you have any last words
1: so I had a friend of mine that made me feel better about writing original work versus fan fiction because I had always felt, you know, and I know this is really common and it comes up on Twitter and Tumblr and there's posts about it where you feel bad for writing fanfic or like you're not a real writer mm-hmm. because you don't write original works. And so she had actually gotten fidelity and she'd read fidelity and she was telling me she she, she works in art And does like more traditional art. And so she'd been in classes for that. And she was like, you know, this really, you know, writing fanfic really reminds me of these abstract art classes I would take where you had really strict rules. And Mm -hmm. so she was like, a lot of people don't realize that in abstract art, there are really strict rules. They think like someone just drew four squares on a page or whatever. And that was their work of art where she was like, usually like going into those classes, they would say this line can't turn left. You know, if it does turn left or it ha- you have to use yellow, like, so they had this whole list of rules and mm-hmm. she was saying fan fiction is kind of like that. You know, you have these characters mm-hmm. that, that these are their names and this is the places they are. And uh, like, this is a loose idea of who they are, but
0: mm-hmm. you can
1: pretty much do anything you want within the confines of those rules. And I actually thought that was really cool. And it made me feel a lot better.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I like about fan fiction is I don't have to create new people. I can just create new worlds and scenarios for them. Especially right. if, if you're writing ABO, right? It's like that in itself is an entirely different thing with an entire, entirely, with an entirely different set of expectations and rules and fluidity and things like that.
1: Yeah. And it has all its own rules too, mm-hmm. you know? So you kind of are working in two different spaces where you say, if you're writing for the Supergirl fandom, you're bringing those character in- characters into that sort of established world, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because most of the rules of that world are created by the fandom itself and constantly evolving. So mm-hmm. she was saying it really helps you refine those skills of working within A set of rules and I think that's why when you write original it can be so daunting because it's like a blank canvas and there's no rules and you make up the rules and that can be really hard yes but I don't think it's any harder than kind of what we do
0: too it's just different anything else
1: um I guess I would tell everybody to keep writing keep trying stay dedicated it's hard but you can do it
0: cool and we're out All right, my lovely fan beans, that's today's show. You can follow and connect with HR Winter on Tumblr, Twitter, and AO3 as HR Winter. After that, come follow me on Tumblr and Twitter at FandomIsUs, and on AO3 as Ayaka Spencer. Don't forget, you can find links and more on the free companion post at patreon.com slash down the fandom hole. While you're there, don't forget to check out what other cool perks and benefits you can enjoy as a subscriber. And finally, a deep, heartfelt thank you to those amazing supporters who have already subscribed. Your reason this show is possible. Much love and aloha to everyone. Thank you for listening.